Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kierens. I am your conductor on this lovely voyage where we introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. This week is a special episode because it's not stateside, and I get to use the awful and overused across the pond. So I apologize in advance. I tried to keep it to a minimal, but this week's featured artist is the creative director for Beavertown Brewery in London, Mr. Nick Dwyer. We had the privilege of speaking to Nick several weeks after his nuptials. We wanted to wish him and his wife congratulations once again. Really lovely to be able to share that with him and just... Well, we weren't there. Like, we didn't go to the wedding. You know, we weren't on the, we didn't make the cut. You know, we weren't on the list. But, you know, just share that, you know, post, you know, nuptial, uh, you know, joy with him. And just really, you could feel the the happiness, you know, when we'd speak about it. And so it was just really nice to be able to connect with him. He's someone whose work I've admired for a long time now, um, in line with our beer agnostic, you know, mantra, I guess. Mantra's a big word for such a small amount of letters, but we've never had Beaver Town, and we would love to try it. You know, we've heard great things about it and really excited for that opportunity. A lot of cool information that was shared and connected with Nick. Love what he does with collaborations, how he works with some of the other artists that we've had here on the show, and just his uh, his perspective and just the way he approaches things and just his... Uh, his love of the brewery and you know the progression of his you know of his career has brought him where he is today, and so it was just a nice opportunity for us to sit down with him, learn more about him as an artist, you know how he became part of the the Beaver Town crew, the the family, and you can you know check out his website. It's nickdwyerillustrations.com, and then you can go to Instagram. It's Nicholas SD. So, with that said, before. Um, this after this was recorded, so you know when, when we spoke, there was not the news of the most recent kind of investment by Heineken in Beavertown. And as we say, we're beer agnostic. We're here about art and design, branding, and so we don't give a fuck about that. Let's just put it out there. The sixty ounce canvas supports Nick, supports Beavertown. We'll see what happens from a business perspective. You know, AJ, myself, you know, my personal opinions. We'll see what happens. I don't love it. I wasn't thrilled about it. But everything I've seen so far, they've answered all the questions. You know, it wasn't this kind of hiding, making it kind of, you know, a dirty little secret. You know, they were right on front with it. They knew why folks would be pissed. You know, some folks, you know, have backed out at various events, but, you know, for right now, we're just going to go with the old fuck it and just, you know, why you're here and why you're listening to this episode is not because of business. You're listening to this because of great art, great design, great stories. And if that story, you know, bothers you, you know, that's cool. You've already, uh, you've already clicked on the link and started to download and stream it. So it will pad the stats regardless if you stay tuned, but you're going to miss out on a great episode. Hmm. That's all we got to say about that. So you're listening to this 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Once again, this is episode number 67, 67, featuring the talented and creative director, Nick Dwyer, Beavertown Brewery, London. You can find us on the World Wide Web. It's taking off, folks. I'm telling you, 16ozcanvas.com. 16OZ Canvas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then if you're an artist or you have some cans you want to show us, label art, or you just want to fuck with us, use uh, hashtag 16OZ Canvas. It'll post on the website and it'll be a good way for us to, to find you. And we have uh, been lucky to, to have that happen a few times already. So it's exciting. Remember this summer which is probably a month from now, depending on when you're listening to this, if this is a late episode, if you're listening to this 
and it's uh, you know August 2018. You've already missed the opportunity, but plug, plug, plug coming up. July 14th through the 29th, the Art of Craft Beer show. It is a two-week-plus gallery show in New Haven, Connecticut at the Keller Liddell Gallery featuring 10 of the artists from the 16-ounce canvas, so 10 of the alumni from the program will be there. Heidi Geist, Jess Graham, Hal Golson, Kevin Simo, Dean Kiever, Craig Gilbert, Lisa Sotero, Leslie Herman, Steve McDonald, and much, much more. So stay tuned for that. We also just announced this week, July 21st at the studio, Dan Blakesley will be appearing live, playing some live music for you. Dan is the creative genius behind what is, in my opinion, one of the most iconic labels ever, Hetty Topper, with the ying to that yang being Focal Banger, which are both Dan's lovely creations. So for more information about that, the art craftbeer.com and then find us on Instagram or just shoot me a message. Yo, AJ, what's up? AJ at 16ozcanvas.com and we'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it here. This is Nick Dwyer, creative director, Beavertown Brewery, 16 ounce canvas, right here, right now. Salute. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have with us, I don't get to say this very often, from the other side of the pond, uh, Mr. Nick Dwyer, creative director for Beavertown Brewery. Uh, recently just got married, so I want to uh, once again congratulate you, Nick, on your uh, recent <laughs> nuptials, man. I can feel the, the good Ooh. energy and excited to, to, to catch you, you know, uh, your post. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's great. I'm um, really excited to have you. I mean, I, just as a background, I really enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, the project, we're, we're beer agnostic. So I, I can say, unfortunately, I've never had a single Beavertown beer. And so what I've learned and, you know, others have recommended, we've had, you know, Carl Grandin on and, you know, he was, you know, working with you on some things. And I've just really come to yeah. know Beavertown because of your work, you know, and, and I love you know, what you're doing, you know, I love the, the branding of it. And, you know, even when you do collaborations, I had to say that, you know, this will be in the probably high 60s, early 70s episodes. It's very rare to see true collaborations like you do with the other artists. So I just wanted to really just before we get started, just say, you know, I'm a fan. I applaud what you're doing and I just am excited to, you know, to see where we go today. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I just, collaborations are the coolest thing to be able to do as a designer because they don't really happen in other industries uh, as much as they do in beer. And it's easy to, I mean, obviously there's design collaborations where people just decide they want to do something together, but you never really see two styles being melded together as a kind of like, I mean, it's marketing, but it's also just like a really cool thing for people to look at as well. Yeah. And again, we are what we've come to. Yeah. And I think it's like you're saying, it's really... It's not just like, okay, I mean, collaborations in beer has been more common now, but it's usually, okay, if you design it, you know, if we brew it in my brewery, then my, my design guy does it. And then if you design it, you know, when the, your version comes out, I take over that. But I mean, what you're doing with, you know, McKellar, you know, uh, even, you know, other half uh, I've seen, you know, I said on the polio, there's, there's a, just a ton of them. And it's just really cool because you can really see the, the imagery and the characters kind of, you know, interacting together. And it's really, it's really, uh, it's really thoughtful. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, that, I mean, if that's, yeah, I'm really glad that you think so, because that's always the intention. You never just want to kind of like, even, I mean, the whole, even just the branding when it's not a collaboration, there's not supposed to be a, a drawing with something slapped on top telling you who did it or like what the beer is. It's I want it all to be one, one big thing and it all to kind of make sense and to be considered, I guess, is the best word. It's just got to be like that. And it's the same with collaborations. You don't just want to kind of like, it's not a competition, you know, you don't want to try and blow someone out of the water with a, with a big drawing or like go really hard and be like, oh, just add a tiny bit to it or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's these, uh, you know, 85 pixels. These are yours. Put something yeah. there. Yeah. Like, a, yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I, could do, I think I could do this all day. and That's why I'm excited to talk to you because it's really unique. Again, on that on that vein, and we'll get back to it later. But the most recent one, I think, that blew me away was that the Heavy Lord. I mean, just with the, you know, the, the black and white, the metallic, you know, has a little foil on it again i i haven't seen yeah. it in person but it's just you know dark lord day has kind of become a you know a huge adventure for craft beer folks and so to have that oh, to have that it's just really it's a really epic label 
I went to yeah, I was at I was at Dark Lord Day however many weeks ago it was actually. Uh, that place is insane. It's so intense. Um, yeah, I just I was not expecting it to be what it was like at all. But yeah, like with the beer and the, I mean, it kind of had to be something super special because it was not only the beer of our big festival last year, the Extravaganza, which we're doing again this year, but um, making it with those guys at Three Floyds who just consistently knock out those huge, huge beers and people go absolutely crazy for them. So so to have our kind of to be able to, because that was a mashup of our um, heavy water and obviously their dark lord, um, it was like such an honor in itself. It just kind of carried, and it was. It's rare for me to have such a long time to work on something like that because normally, all of a sudden, the brewers go, "Oh, this beer's in spec, and we need labels in a week." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. So I've got one day to do this. Thanks, guys." And um, just kind of things. I've been thinking about it for a while, and obviously, I'll only know kind of information at that point, and that's just kind of the way that it all has to work. But with this, I had enough time to add all the detail into it, to work out exactly what was going to be foil, to make it work completely right. And um, when we saw Nick Floyd at Dark World Day, he pointed out that it also looks a bit like a German hand grenade, which we hadn't thought of at all. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's like, I just love it when all that stuff comes together in a nice kind of, a nice kind of neat package. Well, bravo, brother. And um, just real folks, if you want to uh, follow along at home, uh, Nicholas SD on Instagram, and then uh, Nick Dwyer, uh, illustrations, you know, .com. It's really nice. You can see, I, I even enjoy the layout of the website. It's nice, all the different, you know, shapes. It's not panel, panel, panel. You, know, you click on it, and you get kind of deep dive into some of the, you know, sketches and illustrations. And Yeah, very much the, work in progress at the moment, that website. So. Oh, yeah, no. Um, obviously, you know, what we always say, and it's been common, is that if you were able to update your website, you know, and say, "Oh yeah, I updated it," you know, I updated three times a month. Like then, then you're not then you're not busy enough and seeing what the work. Well, I think out it's, of. it's Instagram as well. Like right. I um I fall into that trap of like you know I'll post something and then just check 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 for likes check for likes check for likes you know just it's because it's so unbelievably tangible to see who is looking at it even with statistics and stuff. Whereas you you put something on the website and you've got no idea you know what, who's seeing it and stuff like that. And actually, I'm starting to realize that's probably a lot nicer than having to kind of be like, oh, only this many people, or uh, in comparison to something else, this, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's something weird about that. I have a weird relationship with social media. I agree, because especially it's like, why did that one get all these likes? Why didn't this one? Like, you're all excited. Like, I'm, whenever we announce, like, the next 12-pack of artists, you know, we I try to do something different every time, and the ones where it's just, like, thrown together, we'll get, like, all this feedback. And then one where I spend, like, days trying to, you know, make a half-ass video, you know, duct tape together video we'll get like four views and i'm like what what's the difference there i'm like i don't see so yeah i definitely i try not to be a slave to the to the like but it, sometimes it uh it definitely uh can, can wear on you it's tricky yeah and it's and it, the thing that i've been remembering more uh probably is kind of like self-preservation is that it's not always you know people scroll really fast through instagram especially if they're you got literally they're not always going to be like clicking on stuff so yeah basically that even now I'm kind of like digging myself a hole where I obviously am a bit obsessed with it, but yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. Cause now they give you the insights and you say, Oh, when is the most people? So I'm like, all right, if I drop it at this time, we'll see what happens. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm, you know what? I'm like, it's all good. So yeah, I definitely, uh, I can, I can say, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I definitely at times, you know, you know, if I get a message or a like sometimes it's like, okay, cool. That I can make, make, make the day. So it's always good. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, good. The humility and the honesty is, is appreciated. So, so let's uh, let's just take a step back, Nick. So, what is kind of your you know, your background, or how did you get into you know art and drawing? Like, you know, what's the you know what's the uh, first couple chapters of the Nick Dwyer story? So, when I was um, a teenager, a young man, my I wasn't particularly anything. <laughs> I was kind of just like um, I was kind of into art and painting and stuff, and I was pretentious and read books that I tried to talk about at length but didn't really know how to so my thing was well my thing became kind of little illustrations on the front of mixtapes to try and impress girls basically was um the way that I developed my style because before I was I just kind of did the art the way that young people do art paintings of things occasionally skulls but not because I was obsessed just because that's what young people are kind of drawing um and then through just like kind of more and more just like not not just for like girls that I like for friends for family members for all kinds of stuff I just found that it was really nice to have something that you created the whole way through and then you know mixtapes or mixtapes they're always fun things to make um so that's where it kind of all, all began um and obviously you mentioned I just got married so something it, it finally worked you know recently 
Um, but um, uh, then kind of following studying art pretty much as my kind of main focus at school, I went on to a university in London called Central St. Martins. Um, and I studied illustration there for four years in total, including kind of like the first kind of foundation year. Um, I graduated in 2012. Uh, I immediately started working freelance and also working in a restaurant. Um, as I was working in that restaurant, one of my friends that I was on a course, well, actually, no, he was just at the kind of university group that we were all at. And we, I had a lot of friends from other ones. And he, um, one of my best friends, uh, a guy called James Rylance, um, kind of got bored of art pretty quickly and started homebrewing. He met Logan Plant, who is the owner and founder of Beavertown, um, and they started working together in the back of a restaurant called Duke's Brewing Q that we sadly had to close uh, quite recently. But that's where we we're making. They were making beer in the back of the restaurant and serving it during the day, along with barbecue food, uh, the kind of American model of barbecue food, very inspired by Fete Sal. I don't know if you know Fete Sal in New York. Um, and um, he gave me a call and said, "I'm making this uh, this thing called craft." craft beer and I never had a beer other than kind of like you know a six pack of lager before and um he said come and come and check it out and maybe do a couple of designs for for a couple they'd already had a couple of beers under their belts but they, they had this intention to get local local artists to do the um designs for one-offs and specials and they had these two what were specials then this beer called black betty a black ipa and uh an american style pale ale called gamma ray and I went in to meet with them to chat about the designs, had a couple of briefings there, saw that that restaurant looks a lot more fun than my kind of really uptight restaurant that I was working at, moved in there, spent a lot more time with James and Logan, got to know Logan really, really well, you know, now we're really good friends. Um, and But all the time I was kind of like shoehorning sketchbooks under his nose, uh, making sure he was like, you know, could see what I was doing. We talk about the influences I had. Um, I started helping out with the website a little bit. I started helping out with the existing designs that Beavertown had. And long story short, kind of proved my mettle with that stuff until he trusted me enough to say, right, we're, gonna, we're going into cans. Uh, we want to rebrand everything based on your first Gamma Ray design that you did. And um, the rest is kind of history from there, I guess. Uh, just kind of just the designs led to kind of the designs and a bit of the marketing, which led to like kind of just anything creative, anything visual, plastering the work wherever I possibly could. Because that's like, I, I don't think anybody, basically, if you go to art school and you say that you're not in it so that people see your work and are impressed by your work, then you're a liar, I think, probably. And so my whole thing was like, oh, this is a really good way to get my designs in front of millions of people or, you know, maybe thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at least. Um, but pretty quickly, just through getting to know the guys and to kind of understanding the business, it changed from wanting people to see my work to wanting people to understand that I got the business. I guess it's kind of like growing up a little bit, but also just like I really wanted to be a part of it as opposed to it. Um, and to the, you know, to this day, it's still like really cool. And like I said, you know, I do have to do quick turnarounds on some labels, but it is really cool to be able to follow brewers around the brewery going, well, if I'm, if I'm designing for this beer, can you get some out of the tank for me? Can I try it? What's the deal? Where did you get the hops from? Where did you get the yeast from? What's the backstory? What are you reading at the moment? What movies have you seen recently? Have you got any concepts from names? Like just to, to make it kind of more collaborative, like we talked about a bit earlier. But um yeah, so, so from, from that kind of like humble beginning, I guess now it's just really cool to kind of see how far we've come. You know, no intention of stopping, like with the, uh, like building this, the uh, brewery in the stadium that we were just talking about before and stuff. And we're also looking to kind of build a, a massive new brewery as well. So, yeah, yeah that's Woo. the whole story. Yeah, that's a good breath. story. Now, we, you know, yeah, we've talked before we were rolling. You, know, you mentioned um, we were talking about, you know, they were coming off probably a huge day over there, especially uh, with the the big England win in the World Cup. But uh, people probably still hung over uh, from that. Um, but you mentioned before that, uh, which is really unique, that uh, Tottenham uh, Stadium, you're going to have the exclusive, you know, it's going to be kind of a you know, beaver town, you have a brewery inside the stadium. You know, Like I said, that was before we were rolling. So, I mean, I think that's that's awesome news. Can you give a little more information about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Basically, but we've been kind of planning it for 18 months, and my responsibility um, is making it look good and the, like doing the working with the architects um, and designers that we're working with to kind of make renders. But the thing's going to be really, really crazy. Like we're going to paint the walls and put vinyls everywhere and make it like really, really, really bright. 
Um, but um, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm just bringing up some information about the like the facts <laughs> and figures. Yeah, and yeah. No, I could see. I, I could definitely see. Uh, you know, the skull like that on like some some uh, foot. You know, footballs. You know, you, the the Beaver Town skull and some footballs on the panels would look pretty sick. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. So the tavern itself is actually really really kind of big, and like I said, it has a brewery directly behind it. That you can kind of see into. Um, again, like pretty traditional. American model brewery actually um, less so over here but yeah very much kind of like everything on show um, and the reason they wanted to do it is because we're so close to the stadium but also it is just like a really ambitious really new project um, and it was kind of cool because I designed up something that I thought was a bit kind of uh, a bit stripped back a little bit more conservative than what we normally do and they kind of looked at it kind of confused the guys at the stadium and were like we thought that you were going to go way more nuts than this. And I was like, oh, I, I can do that if you want. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's why, you know, that's why we wanted to do this. We wanted to use you guys' branding to make it your own space. So um, if you have a look on our website, there's a, there's a lovely render actually on there that you can have a look at and, and a nice, quite, kind of cool animated video. But um, but yeah, so that, that's the kind of deal. And then as well as that being, the tap room being there, that should be open. I don't know what the plan is, actually, but it should be open kind of during the week as well when there's not games, um, just so you can kind of go in for a drink, which is really cool. Um, but as in addition to that, I think there's something like 500 taps within the stadium. And uh, I can't remember how many bars, but we're on every single bar in some capacity. Uh, probably, probably with our with our, um, our session IPA, Necoil. I love it. Yeah, like I was saying before, we're trying to pick a, a team, and so that might be that might be the uh, deciding factor there. So I think uh, we'll <laughs> do it. Well, like I was saying, I like I, I've had to kind of learn about football. I've never been like, like making the mixtapes and being an RT uh, emo kid. Um, never been into sports, but now I'm kind of having to be. It's kind of cool to learn about it. The passions, in, the passions, insane. Like with with all, just like I, I knew that people cared about football, and I knew that people cared about sports. Like I've you know, you can't miss that. But just when we announced that it was happening, just the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in like, and kind of opinions and principles are really important. So, you know, like you can, you can really disagree with stuff or you can hate stuff, but you know, people are like, Oh, I'm never drinking your beer again because I'm a blah, blah, blah fan and not a Tottenham fan. And it's like, wow, that's well, really, really sticking. sticking yeah. The flag down there. Yeah, people yeah. mean, yeah, I know when I, I had a, I lived in uh, Holland for a period and I got to, and you, you go to the, even just like the local like Dutch league teams and people were pretty like intense about it. And it was just like, I mean, American football is like that a bit, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't, I don't think it's gotten down to the, the craft beer, beer level. They wouldn't drink a really good beer. If, you know, it was, I gotta say, I probably, uh, our, my, my, uh, equating it would be like the Dallas Cowboys and, if there was a really good beer, I don't think I would not drink it because it was a Cowboys. I probably pour it in the glass, maybe not Instagram the photo, but I definitely still drink the beer, have it on tap. So yeah, that's, yeah. Well, yeah. The, just I, I'm I kind of paraphrasing this here, and I might be getting some information wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there have been points in time, and we probably still do it, where we have to ship our own police out to away games abroad because our fans are so unruly. Yeah, the hooligans, right? Is that what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah hooligans. Yeah, that's that's what we call it. Yeah, it's, they're infamous. Yeah, they have like the little box, like part of the stadium where they're like in a glass enclosure. Yeah, they even had that at the Dutch league, and the people just they weren't that high of a plexiglass, and people just throw things over at them. So I mean, it was just basically like an arrow saying, you know, heckle heckle these these folks. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Now, another thing which I really love that you do and was kind of inspiration for something we're doing is, you know, is that you do also have these kind of pop-up or, you know, art shows um, that you host at the brewery or you incorporate into your your different events, so which I think is, you know, is really unique and bringing in other artists. And so, you know, what is the inspiration for that? Because like I said before, the collaborations, I mean, I think obviously your focus is Beaver Town and branding and getting that out there, which I think you've done a great job of. But you've really, um, you know, embodied or, you know, kind of taken on this additional, you know, focus, which I think is really, really unique in, you know, in craft beer, especially, you know, being over, you know, across the way. You know, I, I'm doing an event um, next month and it's kind of, you know, early on, it was okay if we get to this point in the project, then I'll move forward with it. But you know, when I learned about your your events, I was really kind of, you know, I admired that, and so I just wanted to you know kind of thank you, but also you know kind of learn more about it. Well, um, I guess that this, 
I never thought that it would kind of reach the level that it has in terms of the art being so kind of intertwined with the beer. Um, kind of partly for the reasons I was saying before, like I thought kind of like as a as a designer or an artist, like I've kind of the best way of describing it is that I went from being or wanting to be an artist to wanting to be a designer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to care a lot about, you know, what pens I was using, techniques, uh, the kind of like the journey, the journey that I could then talk about in terms of like how creative that was and um, and things like that. Whereas it's kind of developed into like, well, the, the finished product is what really matters. And as long as that has a lot of thought and consideration in it, you know, whether or not I use like a biro and I scanned it in and I use Photoshop to color it or whatever is kind of not not as important to me personally. I know there's definitely people who'd be like, ah, oh, then that's not, that's not as good as what I thought. But when it comes to like um, shows and uh, exhibitions and things like that, they're just a really good way to get an extra layer, an extra dimension into drinking because um, especially with, especially with craft beer where there's a lot to consider and uh, a lot, a lot of different styles and a lot of different things to enjoy about it, adding that extra element of, um, of artwork uh, and it's kind of a familiar setting especially when it's a gallery in a bar or a pub or something you kind of you're basically just bringing three worlds together that are ideal for each other you know the kind of like um walking around looking at things world the uh the drinking beer world which you know nobody can you know say is a bad thing at all and then the kind of like just the, the creative aspects of it as well like you can kind of see all, all the sides of it um which I think is, is true with, with beer in, in general. And, and a lot of other industries have it as well. You know, you, people are way more interested in every part of it than I could possibly have imagined before. And I think that's kind of a, a kind of a hang up on my part is that maybe I was a, maybe a bit kind of like cynical or kind of a bit like the first time it was suggested that I do a, an exhibition of the, the beer designs. I think I almost turned my nose up at it and said, like, no one's interested in that or, you know, like no one wants to, you know, wander around and just, just look at cans they can look at, but they do. And they want to chat about them and they want to hear about it. And they want to, they want to know exactly all the influences and things. And, um, and I, and I'm, I can talk to for hours about influences and things like that. You know, like my big influences are a show that a puppet show, um, it's been around since the seventies called Thunderbirds, maybe even the late sixties. Yeah. Do you know, do you have Thunderbirds in the U S? Uh, that sounds really familiar. I'm kind of trying to Google it while we're Jerry talking. Yeah. But then obviously like, um, stuff like Futurama, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Brennan, yeah. Brennan, they butchered Brennan's it. They but yeah, they butchered it for uh, for team. I think Team America or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Team America is based on it. But um, but yeah. So like Ren and Stimpy, Futurama, and then like graphic novels, like basically anything by Warren Ellis or Grant Morrison. Um, I met uh, Brian Azzarello at Dark Lord Day. Who's um, somebody who was one of actually one of my heroes. Uh, in t- he's a writer for um a lot of graphic novels. He wrote uh, Hundred Bullets. Uh, he wrote bits of uh, Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, just uh, just how he happened to be there, and it was cool to chat to him. So yeah, there's yeah, there's lots to talk about with that sort of stuff. I hope that answered your question. I kind of went off on one a bit. Oh no, like I said before, we were talking. I I can. These are the best interviews. Where I can just kind of like throw a, a vague open end and let you kind of run with it. Yeah, so don't don't, apo- <laughs> don't don't apologize for that, Nick. Now, kind of the what you, you said you you know when you started, you took over the the branding. Everything was rebranded. And obviously the. Kind of the the skull the the skull missing the jaw is kind of the the foundation or the kind of the I don't know the centerpiece for a lot of the work. What what was the what was the thought process or what's the story with with the you know with the skull? So the skulls come kind of indirectly from this project I was doing at university where I had this idea for um, kind of like almost like a janitor or like clean up robots that look after the moon and kind of keep the moon running um, because it's such an integral part to life on Earth. Um, and then I had this kind of concept of this um, human crashing on the moon and kind of falling in love with a robot or something, something along those lines. And as I was drawing the robots, they kind of took on this weird skeletal quality because I had them kind of with almost like um, mechanical internal organs and then protected by kind of a rib cage like cage. And then, I just thought, actually, I'm going to change my skeletons and see what it's like, because I hadn't, I'd I'd drawn a couple of skeletons, and they're actually just really fun things to draw. Um, There's a lot of detail that you can get into them. There's a lot of uh, fine line that you can get into them. I really like stippling, you know, dotting, dotting imagery. And um, they came out of it kind of like perfectly, and it kind of made a lot more sense, because I could kind of add, it's easier to draw a beautiful skeleton than it is to draw a beautiful robot, uh, I think. And that's where that kind of came from, pure and pure and simple. Um, 
and I kind of put that to the side when I when I left university and my, my freelance work kind of was uh, really hyper conceptual and I, I was trying to like play on a lot of psychological stuff um, and then um, yeah when it when it came to Beaver Town I'm trying to remember the first kind of skull the 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 gamma ray the guys in the gamma ray label were human beings um, but they looked kind of too Dan Dare. Uh, like which I thought was a bit kind of appealing to kids. We still were cool up on it even when I changed it. But um, so I decided to make it kind of more Mars attacks uh, with the skulls. You know, they were being zapped in the skulls, and then the kind of zapped skull became uh, a kind of a big emblem for us. And we started using it as a lot of the branding. Um, and then uh, the way it really took off was we had this range of beers that are called kind of the Phantom series, and they're kind of Berlin of Ice goes. Um, not necessarily wild fermentation stuff, but like, yeah, just kind of uh, easy, easy drinking um, sour beers and they have different flavors. We have kind of a Yuzilla, we have a, a Yuzu one, we have a lemon one, uh, we have a peach and raspberry one. Um, and then the Phantom characters became skeletons. And I kind of, from then I just kind of honed it in and made it more and more, there were more and more skeletons happening, more and more skulls. Um, Logan and I kind of originally disagreed about changing the original kind of all seeing eye B logo to uh just changing it at all because i think logan was you know I, I totally understand where he's coming from because when you have an initial idea and it means so much to you you don't want to someone to say no that's wrong you know the, you know all these kind of roots that you've decided are you know part of it i want to change it so there was that but like we were kind of talking about before i wanted every single part of the design not necessarily to be illustrated by me or created by me even though that's what was happening um i wanted it just to be all one thing i didn't want it to be a design with the branding slapped on i wanted the branding to be a part of the design and for it to be a case where if i'm printing it as an art piece then the name of the beer is in that because it's been drawn in and it's, it makes sense and it's been placed in a place that isn't obstructive and that's that's where the kind of like skull the skull logo came from um because it was you know universal um, and then after that, I had this kind of nasty habit of making up the concept of things afterwards, and that's so so just cheating so much because you can you can just make it fit, um, and it and it's nice though because you know like I I started thinking about how you know everybody has a skull, um, you don't necessarily have to make skeletons a gender. I mean I do sometimes make them quite clearly, you know male or female, but you don't have to. It's kind of more inclusive. Uh, you can kind of mess around with it. They can be doing anything. You don't have to think up kind of a reason for it, which is something, that, again, that I used to be kind of a bit of a hangout, that I wanted it to be relevant and everything to be realistic. You know, why is this guy doing this? Would he be able to survive like this? Does his spacesuit make sense? You know, that sort of thing. But actually, with skeletons, you can kind of just go absolutely nuts with it and just do whatever you want. And we are back. How are we doing, everybody? Stay with me. Talking a little footy, a little football, proper football, beer, art, collaborations, life. It is a beautiful thing. And what I love about this project, which is in a way self-serving, but obviously everything's have a little bit of, you know, self-servants, is to meet people from around the world and share these experiences. Obviously, in my heart of hearts, these would be much better, you know, as a video series done over several pints, you know, glassy-eyed and just seeing where the night takes us, you know, but that gives me something to look forward to. But with that said, I just think it's really nice because it's two people who really have limited interaction with each other. A few emails, you know, some pestering, you know, nudges from me about, you know, timelines and feasibility you know and we get on the phone or a skype session and see where it takes us and so it's really just uh it's really genuine and so i really enjoyed speaking with nick i think that he's a good storyteller you know i think he's very creative i like what he's doing with the brand you know the use of skulls and how that is kind of a you know a common theme of the brand and just how they're doing things it's it's really unique and i it, you know when i said about the collaborations Beer collaborations are one thing, and the brewers get together, but the collaborations that, you know, Nick's doing, you know, with Carl, with Keith, you know, he's done with Kevin, you know, you really see with the crew at the other half and, you know, various other breweries from around the world. 
and it just really works. Obviously, you know, uh, Heavy Lord is a kick-ass label with, um, you know, three Floyds, and it's thoughtful, it's creative, you know, it's fun, which is what it should be. And so it's really just uh, a nice opportunity to, to see that. You know, Nick has been an inspiration for us with the Art of Craft Beer show that we're doing, you know, next month in New Haven. And speaking, you know, if you go back to the episode we did with Carl, you know, he you know, he mentions you know he mentions Nick and talks about the the show that's coming up there at, at Beaver Town, and it was really just kind of you know it made me think that it is possible to kind of change the narrative or try to do something outside the box. And while I could not you know draw or have a really creative bone in my body, and one could argue that doing this amazing you know world-renowned podcast, you know, that could be my creative. You know, outlet and you know, making beautiful children. But anyway, with that said, you know, it's just it's just really nice to to see that focus and really just to to see what's possible. You know, inspire each other. And I've gotten some really great you know notes from folks you know at different stages of their career who are you know enjoying it, who are listening, who are using it for inspiration, or just trying to take different tidbits away. So I just am really having a great time. We can't believe where we are right now. We're already looking what we can do for, you know, the the two the two year anniversary. It aligns I think pretty closely with, you know, Craft Beer, uh, you know, Craft Beer Conference two thousand nineteen. Right, two thousand nineteen in you know, Denver. And so we just we're constantly thinking if you've reached out to us, we've had a couple, you know, photographers, you know, reach out, you know, we haven't forgotten about you. We're gonna get to that. Those things have been a little crazy. Especially with getting the, the liquor license, that was a whole lot another level. You might notice a few new gray hairs of stress, you know. But with that said, we're, we're having a great fucking time. And it's just, just, things are good. Getting out there street team style with some flyers, meeting people. It's been really cool. You know, loving doing that. Promoting and just having a great time. And it's really, the feedback, you know, is really, you know, appreciative. Or it's really appreciated. I'm appreciative, but it's appreciated. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to head on over to your favorite local podcast machine system, iTunes, if that's the one, you know, a review or just kind of a ratings, you know, really helps. We're growing week over week, and we've got a bunch of cool folks. That's you who are uh, help making it all possible. So I think one week we're just going to figure out, how, you know, how to say thank you in a, you know, a multitude of different languages. But you know, right now we just know, you know, gracias, thank you. Um, I might know the French version, but anyway. So, with that said, let's just get right back into it. Nick Dwyer, Beaver Town, sixteen ounce canvas. You, me, interwebs. Cheers. If you go to Nick's uh, Instagram, what's really cool. Uh, you have to scroll through a little bit, but you can see, uh, I was looking through there earlier, you can kind of see the original Gamma Ray, and then you can see the kind of Gamma Ray 2.0, and the explanation that it's the the astronauts or the, the humans getting, you know, Mars attacked and kind of being melted into the skeletons, it's kind of a nice uh, evolution of the story, and then to see, you know, that's kind of you know, where you ended up with, you know, post-attack, and then it kind of went from there, but yeah, it's a really... I mean, I, that skull is pretty iconic to me. I mean, I, I think it's it's great, and it's really versatile how you're using it. It's not just, you know, I think there's a lot of, to your point earlier, a lot of folks like the skull and crossbones, but it's really, uh, it's a nice take on it, and it's not just kind of, uh, and, and the best part is, usually skulls, it's black and white and dark. You know, your most of your um, pieces are really vibrant and, you know, great use of color, and so it really kind of, something that's you know traditionally dark um it has a real kind of uh you know fun and energy to it yeah well th- yeah thanks man that's not actually that's not really something that i think about much but you're right yeah that is uh yeah that does make a kind of a difference yeah because usually it's black and white maybe some red maybe just a little bit of you know but i mean i would say that uh, your use of colors is you know those cans those cans pop and it's not just hey look at this this skull so i think it's really it's really nice and even just the the use of branding you know the having the you know that the way you lay out the beer the name and the style it's 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 pretty unique too especially because they're varying font sizes you know it's not just you know beaver town in 80 point font and then you know the beer below it you know it's kind of just kind of it's part of the and sometimes it's harder to read it but it's not you know it, it's not as uh 
in your face, you know, branding, you know, as, as some others. Well, it used to really frustrate me when, when we were first starting out and obviously the brand wasn't as recognizable as perhaps it is now that I couldn't mess around with it so much. And it's really nice now to be able to do it. And, you know, it was, it was a real sticking point for me that I, you know, I'd be like, well, I want to make it smaller. It doesn't fit in the drawing otherwise. And I'd have people, you know, here saying like, but like, like you say, how are people going to know that it's a beaver town beer? That's the whole point of what we're doing right now is that people start to recognize what we're doing. Um, you know, and I was like, let's just take everything off everything and just have visuals and just illustrations and everything should just be like a pretty object. And people were like, well, for now, we're going to have to make sure that it says beaver town at least somewhere. But, um, yeah, it's, it's quite nice now that we, there are, there are certain things, especially with like merch and stuff like that, that we can just, you know, I've got, I've got a range of t-shirts I'm working on right now that are pretty much just the skeletons and they're silly jokes. Like I'm using the Drake, that's that stupid Drake meme where he's like got his hand up, like no, at the top panel. And then he's like, actually the, the bottom. yeah, like I'm messing around with that stuff. And it's just cool to be able to, to play around because I think like we were talking earlier about the gallery and the kind of like making it a tactile thing and making it like realistic is that again, when you start to kind of relate to people, I mean that, that, that in a nutshell, that's the whole, the whole reason that I do and we do what we do at Beavertown is that we want it to be relatable. We want people who also used to watch Red and Stimpy and, you know, Thunderbirds and Red Dan Dare comics to be like, yeah, man, I totally get it. I totally get it. Like, uh, this is, this is all the nostalgia value of things. And I think also that like, um, generationally speaking, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's been happening for a little while already. I'm not, you know, the, the pioneer of it, but I think that now people talk way more about nostalgia, uh, in terms of like like children's books, comics, TV shows, and stuff, and it's not something that is like shameful in in a way that perhaps it was at one point. Like you know, I don't, I, don't, I can never see even my parents. My parents are pretty cool. Uh, being like, oh, I used to love this, that, and like Action Man or whatever, or like um, this sort of thing when I was younger and all this kind of stuff. But I think that now it is kind of cool. It is kind of cool that you can that people used to watch the same stuff on a Saturday morning when they were like you know eight to twelve or whatever. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I have two young boys, and like, there's, I mean, I think it's a whole. We could have a whole other conversation about media, but like, I remember when I was a kid, it was just Saturday mornings was like that was like the end all be all. You know, you get up as early as you could, and you'd get you know all those little thirty minute shows. You know, there wasn't any recording anything. It wasn't you know. I mean, if I missed the the, the Smurfs or the Gummy Bears or whatever it was, you know, that was it. Like, it wasn't like. Oh, don't worry that I'll be playing again at six, nine, and twelve, and I recorded it, and you can download it. It was like that was it, you know. That was that was your moment. So I, I really, uh, yeah, I definitely. I, it's nice to feel folks are of the same age, also too. That makes me feel a little bit better about getting old. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you talked before about you know you, you used to be a little more uh, hung up on your your methods. What it, what are your current you know methods and styles? Are you, do you do you sketch first or? Or, or you're doing more digital than you have in the past. What is your kind of, you know, methodology for some of this? Way more digital than it used to be. Um, I used to be uh, religious about um, making sure that everything was pen drawn first, uh, and then I would scan in. And then just the process of designing for cans means that it would be kind of dumb to to color everything by hand because of the amount of changing and the limitations on the amount of colors and things like that is kind of important and you want to be able to kind of quickly change things so it used to be i draw everything by uh, black line pen scan it in use photoshop to kind of what max the kind of contrast up so it was literally black and white use adobe illustrator to turn it into a vector drawing and then color it that way um i discovered how incredibly useful ipad pros are for this uh, about a year ago because you can like they, I did not think for a second when I got handed one to play with that I was going to like it. I thought, oh, this is a gimmick. And it's just insane. It has, you know, this, I don't want to, I don't want to try and sell anyone at one, but uh, it's great basically in that it takes away all the steps before making a vector. You know, you've, you've drawn it and it's vector and then you just flip it to your computer and it's done. Um, and when I started doing it, no one noticed that I started doing it, which was a massive thing for me. I I thought that people would be like, oh, your style's changed a bit, or oh, things things seem to be a bit different now. But after a bit of kind of playing around with it and and working out how to make it the same as before, so now my process is very much using the iPad, drawing, even coloring on the iPad. You can, you know, really do like multiple variants of stuff. And when I'm kind of almost happy with it, I'll click it to the computer, do a layout. Everything's separate layers. Um, because if 
you know, if, if something doesn't quite work or I forget to put some information in or I need, there's just something that needs to go in there and I have to shift everything, then having just one, one drawing, I've been stung by that in the past. Like there are designs where I've had to completely start again just because I can't move stuff around on the, on the, on the paper. Um, I'm sure that other people have had all kinds of problems that way as well. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how I'm working at the moment. So uh, very much digital. Yeah, digital, but all hand-drawn. Yeah, I've, we've had that story a lot where folks are kind of purists, I guess is the best way to say it, or old school, or, you know, and and then the, when they first have that moment, it's kind of like, oh, shit, like, this is real. And, you know, the different brush strokes and really has the, you know, the fidelity that they were, they were afraid of or to your point that folks you know didn't notice so I, i've you really kind of see the as the project goes we see more folks kind of dipping their dipping their toes or kind of jumping in that water and you know not looking back yeah that's it yeah that's, that's it yeah and i think that um the kind of wanting to have this kind of the process that i had before and to maintain now looking back is kind of doesn't make a lot of sense why i mean it does make a lot of sense why because i was you know an ex a really extrovert dude who wanted to always be able to look down on anybody who wasn't doing what i was doing in that way and i feel really stupid about that now it's all part of the process right i mean you could argue yeah. if you didn't you know those early sketches when there's only a couple beers or a couple labels you know if you didn't you know go through all those eraser marks or you know, the technology wasn't there either so it's not even like you were we're choosing to not use something. There wasn't anything for you to use. And so if you evolved and sort of the brand to be a point where you probably need to do way more labels per month or quarter than you ever had to do before. Exactly. So I think it's, uh, it's just, uh, you're maturing, Nick. You know, I don't think you'd like to hear that. You're, you're growing up and people, you know, and you're using your time. Time management yeah. is always hard. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, it's impressive. Oh, you're sweet. He, grow, he grows up and he grows up, yeah. But I think the, again, the, the, I mean, the other, just to get really technical about it, is like I could have been using a, like a Wacom tablet or whatever, but it's it's really jarring looking at a screen and drawing somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That, that wasn't, and they weren't cheap either. Yeah, to be an early adapter, it wasn't no, cheap. No, no, the, yeah, the ones with screens were especially expensive. But the, yeah, even, even I had a really, I think what really put me off is I bought the most budget one I possibly could at some point thinking like I should probably adapt a bit here. And at least be able to have the control of using a pen, but it was just rubbish. It was like probably about two thousand and seven or eight, and uh, it just it, it just like it just did not compare to drawing on paper at all. Yeah. I think that's kind of, yeah, yeah that probably put you a couple steps back. You're like you're like fuck that. I'm done with that idea. Yeah, yeah, and they're tiny too. Like you know the, the budget one's probably like what like five inches by four inches, and just that's not it's not usable. No, not at all. So. And then, and then before we talked about you know the the time period, what's the what's the project manager like the life cycle process? Is it do you is it a lot of times okay with these beers coming out soon? Get to work, Nick, or does it depend on the style of the beer? Kind of how much time you have. So we so I I owe a lot of thanks to our label providers um, here in the UK, Label Express. If that's a nice little plug for them, but um, Label Express. Sorry. Label Express, um, and they um, they tend to turn things around. They can turn things around sometimes, not guaranteed, like within a week, which is kind of unheard of uh, in in terms of other like other 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 people. Are like, oh, shouldn't we start in this collab? Because what about labels and all this kind of stuff? And I'm just like, don't worry about it. But um, they're a massive boon for me because occasionally I'll just have to put stuff in a kind of list of priorities. And sometimes my you know my priorities like someone needs a load of account support or they need a mural done in one of these pubs they've got as an account or um, something like this and it's just kind of or there's just other projects or other beer labels to do and all of a sudden one of the brewers will come up and be like oh yeah by the way you know this is this stout we've been making is in spec or this this collaboration is in spec or this thing so we're going to need to package it to get that tank free at this date and I'm like cool I will now hustle and get that sorted out and I'll you know like I said follow either follow a brewer around or go and ask as many questions as I possibly can about the beer or if I feel like I've got a strong enough concept with the names, like I don't, I don't everybody, everybody wants to have a part in stuff. So like, it's kind of, I want, I kind of try to stay away from the naming of beers unless I've got some amazing pun or something like that. And I kind of, I kind of hate myself because on the one hand, I hate puns when it comes to beer names. I hate novelty names. I hate kind of throwaway stuff that is kind of non-impactful. But then at the same time, sometimes I'll throw it out there just for the sake of making people laugh and it'll stick. 
and it stays with the name of beer, and it's really annoying, knowing that I was the cause of so much suffering. But uh, but then um, yeah, so once the, once the beer is named, then it's kind of very easy, uh, and it's kind of a, a, a process of just being like, right, well, here's the idea in my head. Let's see what this looks like on paper, kind of quickly. Yeah, let's work with that. Work into it, color it, you know, and get it sent off. And we we use um, a, a variance in uh, in um, varnishes, so we use like a mixture of matte and gloss varnish to create something again really really tactile. Um, and we also use a lot of foiling, so like using a lot of silver and gold and uh, colored foils basically on the labels to make them even shiny. So just every every corner that we can explore has been explored, I think, as 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 of now. But there's I'm sure there's way more stuff that's going to pop up. Like I want to do some crazy shaped cans and stuff when we're uh, yeah, when we, when we have the, the budget for it. Yeah, now are the so you're limited? Was it is it six? You're limited to what seven colors, six colors? Uh, with the guys we use now, it's eight. Which oh, is nice! Really great. Yeah, we used to be six. Yeah, right. I feel like that's like a moon landing moment. Like that's huge. Like cause everyone's it like, is. Yeah. Well, they have these crazy machines that print the cans that are like look like um look like time machines from the fifties. Uh, where they just kind of like. The cans get spun through these kind of rollers. I won't go into it, but they get they kind of the, the design gets printed onto a roller, which then prints onto the can, uh, and it's all very analog. But it happens so fast; they eight thousand cans a minute. Um, wow! Oh, I, yeah, I was aware of the machine, but eight thousand cans a minute is pretty. Yeah, when it's running at full like full full load, and it happens. I was telling someone about it yesterday. The coolest part is their kind of um, quality control. So there's a camera that kind of takes a, a silhouette photo of every single can as it whips past. So it looks it looks like a constant light because the strobe is strobing so fast. Uh, but if it spots a, a deformity in the shape or a dent or something, it flicks the can off the line with like a shot of air. But that shot of air happens, you know, like 200 meters down the line because it's going so fast that by the time the computer said, oh, that one's gone, needs to go, that's it. And you just see these cans being shot off the line every now and again. And it's, it's just really surreal to watch it happen. Yeah, I like to see one of those videos. It'd be like a ghost, yeah, like a ghost QA person just grabbing it. It's like, foom, foom, foom. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's basically how it works. That's excellent. Yeah, little things you never think of, like what, like that was a whole someone's life work right there. Probably was figuring out that that computer how to how to make it do that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's it. Now, uh, what are some of your uh, your favorite beers you know, from the brewery that you're drinking? Uh, well, Neko is just like so. Like I, I think I think that working in the brewery and being so having it available so much means that I've kind of been fast-tracked to being a bit jaded. Yeah. It's, pro- it's probably not great to say that, but, like, it's kind of... I, I, you, when I, you know, when, it, when we first started making certain beers, they'd be all I drink, drank forever, you know, just just, just all the time. Just, uh, But neck oil, because it's, like, so easy drinking and delicious at the same time. Um, and I've, I've kind of come full circle from being like, I want the most crazy hops, like double IPA that you've got with the most insane flavors. And I'm going to take a load of cans home and I want to be getting these like kind of rare cans and, and trying them and, you know, not necessarily uh, ticking away, but, but like, I want to, I want to be involved and I want to try stuff. So now I'm like, right, well, do you make a really nice crisp Pilsner? <laughs> Cause that's exactly what I want. And I want to drink a lot of it. Um, so yeah, Neckoil, I mean, I think a lot of people here's favorite beer is Neckoil just because it is just a quality beer. Another thing that's nice about this whole job is that I can talk about the beer being amazing because I've got nothing to do with it. So it's kind of like genuine that I think the guys do such an amazing job of the beer. But um, but yeah, so either so for me, the two, the two kind of ends of the spectrum are either a really light crisp Session IPA or a Pilsner or a really heavy, really smoky, huge imperial stout. Um, normally in winter, but I mean, still, I'll still drink it in summer. I just think it's great because I'm a, I, I really like bourbon. Okay. Uh, so, so like, I'm into like bourbon, a barrel aged and Scotch barrel aged, like imperial stouts. Just yeah, maybe with a little bourbon as well, just on the side. <laughs> yeah, right, a, a bourbon chaser. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, early on it was chasing, you know, this, that, and the other, and. These some of the they're good, but I'd rather be able to you know sit and be functional after a few beers and some of these doubles and triples. It's it's a little it's a little much of an undertaking. If I'm going to drink something with that much booze in it, to your point, I'd rather have a nice barrel aged stout that I can sit with and kind of usually means it's I'm outside or camping or by the fire, you know. So that's usually a you know I definitely uh, and I, I found that 
the Pilsners, thankfully, uh, been getting some more, more and more love lately. And that, that to me is like kind of the people in the craft brewers kind of in the, who work behind the scenes. That's kind of like the, the one that seems to you know be the really good sign of a good brewery. You know, it's kind of the, that's kind of like the the secret litmus test is, is the is the Pilsner. You know, what's going on there because it's it's not as flashy, but it's a much more you know difficult beer to make. Yeah, definitely. And um, do you um, do you uh, do you know uh, Delacen? Do you know the, the Belgian Belgian beer? Yeah, Belgian beer yeah. Delacen. Like yeah. the um, Logan at, at CBC in Nashville this year was on a panel about session beers and. Um, Ivan from their brewery, I think he said, I'm not going to do his accent because it's kind of, it's just, I'm, I'm <laughs> that. but he said like, um, when you, when you see the way people drink, it's, uh, the beer fans are sipping the beer and looking for the big old beers and stuff like that. Whereas the brewers are gulping the beers and drinking the pilsners and the lagers and the, and the session IPAs. And, and he said something like, I think that is beautiful after that, which was really funny. But yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, he's I, right. I agree. He's right. Yeah, I've definitely, uh, especially with trying some, going somewhere new the first time. Before I'd be like, "Oh, what is your this juicy or this? I'm, now I'm like, "Oh, I start with the pills and kind of just it kind of lays a good kind of uh, foundation for what you know what's what's really going on." And that's usually the brewers, brew, the brew the beer, the brewers too that they really appreciate. So I've I've come to come to love that. Now you mentioned CBC and we didn't get to to connect there. It was a it was definitely my first time. And it was a insanely overwhelming especially as a as a solo there's just so much going on but uh you know you're you're checking out the music and the nightlife of of nashville which is one of my favorite parts um, oh my gosh which, yeah, it's yeah amazing. it is amazing which one of my easy uh transitions uh, this would be an interesting one especially because we're in different parts of the world um uh and previously and kind of why i got back into doing a podcast i used to be a, a disc jockey i did some radio time what 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 type of music are you listening to when you're creating for beaver town or just in general what's uh you know what's on uh on nick's playlist because i was i you're at some grateful dead cover band the one night we i was gonna i try to meet up but i uh i think i had too many of those double ipas i was talking about but it just didn't work out yeah well i'm a big yeah big grateful dead fan uh oh excellent yeah i kind of yeah put all that out there actually i bought a lot of grateful dead books in chicago before we went to dark lord day and the guys at uh, three boys do not like the Grateful Dead. No, <laughs> no, I could see so, that definitely being a little uh... <laughs> yeah sticking point with them. Um, but yeah, like so, yeah, I really like um, kind of like psych, psych and surf rock uh, music. Um, kind of uh, the older, older and new stuff. Um, so like a lot of sixties and seventies psych stuff um, with some kind of easier stuff like can, the canned heat, uh, that sort of vibe. But then I'm um, like yeah, like modern stuff. Um, I don't know if you know a band called the Alalas. The Alalas are kind of like a nice central point for this sort of music because they kind of span all those genres. They're from New York. Um, and uh, then there's kind of bands like King Gizzard, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who are um, from Australia, who are kind of like really mad kind of gigs and doing that kind of stuff. And then the heavier side of things like the OCs. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that, like all that kind of music. And then, um, I mean, even like when I'm, like when I'm really feeling like I need to get really focused. I mean, I know a lot of people listen to kind of trance music, but my kind of trance music is stuff like really heavy metal music where I kind of just let it wash over me as opposed to actually listen to it. Um, and then pull that back a bit. And I listen to stuff like, you know, like Pantera and Megadeth and Anthrax and stuff. Nice. No, good. It's a good, uh, yeah. Diverse. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, you know, from the Grateful Dead to Pantera and everything in between. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, no, I love it because yeah, I'm definitely more of a like the kind of jam rock they call it, you know. And I have a my wife's big into the Dead. Uh, I am too, but I'm in the Fish is my band, so we've we try to go see see those guys and you know see uh, Dead and Company a couple times. So yeah, I I never saw Jerry, but she has, so that's always cool. Um, but I will say, yeah, like, I mean, but then at the same time, I mean, I, I like all kinds of music. Like I'm a massive hip hop fan too, like much kind of like older like '90s stuff really, but. Um, yeah, like that's that's really cool. Um, weirdly, this uh, weirdly this band, well, everyone's gonna know they are Migos, uh, are kind of growing on me, which I is kind of weird for me. It's kind of like a weird experience to have Migos grow on you. I yeah, think. yeah, I agree. My wife teaches. I, yeah, my, them, I was like, no. Yeah, first, and then I saw them. And I was like, oh, and then they, there's a there's a good spoof of them on uh, on Saturday Night Live, and it's just oh my like, god, yeah. friendos. Yeah, 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 it's so good. It's all right. yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, and so yeah, and my wife, yeah, my wife teaches uh, seventh grade uh, elementary school, and so she'll she'll 
I remember her introducing me to them. She's like, the kids love this band. And I was like, what? I'm like, a group or whatever you want to call it. I was like, really? Are you sure? And then they appeared on all this stuff with like DJ Khaled and Chance the Rapper and just kind of went from there. Chance, okay, Chance, okay, I think Chance the Rapper is genuinely a really talented guy. Oh, good. Oh, good. I was, I was, I was, he's one of our favorites and I was afraid. You kind of left that pause there. I was like, "Oh man, this interview went really great." No, if he no, shits no, no. on if he shits on Chance, we're gonna have a problem here. He seems so nice as <laughs> well. Yeah, he does seem nice. Yeah, and like, yeah, I think it's more like um, people like Donald Glover really like Migos, and for me, I give him a chance because I, I I've got a lot of respect for him because he genuinely seems to be able to do anything. Like in that episode of SNL, his whole like bit, but like, um, yeah, like I really like Atlanta, but yeah, I did, yeah, I, th- I think that <laughs> just bring it back to beer. If somebody you respect is like, oh, you should give that beard and like another chance because I think it's really great. You probably would, and that's I guess it's kind of the same with music. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean that that's how this whole thing works for me. It's like okay, you know, I've I've had beers I didn't like on first try, but it also you know it's, and I've come to as you know read different things. You know, you come to learn that it's not always the beer. You know, it could be the distributor or it could be the bar that has it, and they could be known for having really shitty lines you know it's it's a lot of uh yeah it's a lot of unfair stuff that you, know, you can't really control and you know which is which is uh so i've uh i guess i'm maturing too nick so this is really this is really a shitty uh life focus here we're both growing up <laughs> yeah 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 well again thank you man i really appreciate it uh congratulations on the the recent nuptials i feel that you and i could you know talk for hours and so hopefully we'll get a chance to uh you know meet in 3d um I know you have your every year you have your big annual you know extravaganza event. It's in September. I think that's right. I think you've already you know teased or announced a lot of the the breweries that are you know last year you had over forty amazing you know breweries from around the world. So I, I can only we imagine eighty. Holy shit! Yeah. Well, forty. It's more than forty, right? Eighty is more than 40. more than forty. Yeah, eighty is more I than think, forty. I think eighty is more than forty. <laughs> now, will you do some sort of uh, art show for that again this year? Yeah, I think for sure. Uh, it worked really well having like a nice space for people to chill out in last year. And I tried to include as many breweries as I could uh, that I collaborated with. And that was kind of tricky and I've got less time around it this year. So probably do less um, kind of inc- <laughs> less inclusive sounds horrible, but um, probably focus, probably more focused is probably my, my best way of putting it. Um, and maybe do a little like print print pop-up shop or something kind of following in uh keith shore from mikhail's vein when he did that at nbc and it seemed to it seemed like a really good idea so yeah well let me know if i can uh help i, I have i've uh i haven't been to london either so there's there's that's not the time i uh, travel bucket list so if i can knock out a couple birds with the with the alcoholic stone it'll be good yeah that's cool man for sure all right well let me know next time you're stateside and uh, like i said i'd really uh you know appreciate you making the time today man Great, dude. Thanks very much. It was really nice to talk to you. All right, cheers. Talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. The essential, the one, the only Nick Dwyer interview right here on the 16-ounce canvas. Yeah, there it was. That's a wrap. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode just as much as I did. You can't say enough. Thank Nick for making the time. Congratulations on his recent nuptials. And it was just a really good opportunity to learn about his vision, learn about his story, all going back to the you know, days of Dukes. If you go to his Instagram page, Nicholas SD, you can see the early, you know, gamma ray version. You know, that was uh, pre-skulls, you know, and then it kind of then the aliens came in took over and you know wreak some havoc they fuck shit up and boom skulls for everybody so definitely really cool to see that really nice to to see that he's a part of that vision you know he's really the you know driving force for it there's you know prints available nick dwyer illustrations.com i definitely want to get some for the studio as i you know look for you know a premier league team to follow the idea of following you know tottenham is definitely uh, popped up. I think basically what's going to happen is the first time I get over to you know to England and there's a game and whoever it is, I think that'll probably be be how I decide. You know, I love soccer, you know, or proper football. You know, obviously 
bummed about the U.S. not being in the World Cup, but it's been wonderful to watch, and I've had the great opportunity to watch a fair amount of matches, watch with the boys, you know, get them you know into it at an early age. So we'll see. That's definitely on the bucket list to get over to England and go to a, a Premier League game. I don't want to be one of the hooligans, you know, but I definitely want to go there, have a few pints, you know, and uh, enjoy myself and have a good old time. So that's definitely would be cool. It would be cool to knock that off, you know, go there, meet Nick, you know, check out Beaver Town and see, you know, see what's going on with the, the extravaganza. So we will see what happens. We will definitely keep you updated. You know, make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I would say if you rank the three, I think Instagram is probably our most active. Twitter, we're more, you know, we try to have some conversations, but, you know, the following there is a little smaller. And Facebook's kind of just like the dumpster. Like, everything just kind of gets pushed to, to Facebook, and it's a good way to, to promote different things. But all three of those, it's 16OZCanvas. 16OZCanvas.com is the website. And remember, the ASRC, the Autism Services and Resources of Connecticut, it's a wonderful nonprofit organization that we have the pleasure of doing good work for the event, theartofcraftbeer.com. Proceeds will go towards them. They've made a great impact in my family's life, you know, my son's life, you know, my life. And, you know, it's really important just to, to help out others and, to, you know, make a difference wherever possible. And we hope that introducing you to different artists having you appreciate art a little bit more while maybe in that small art, you know, mini art gallery in your refrigerator, you know, that piece of art you're holding your hand with, uh, which has some wonderful liquid inside of it. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, just, uh, put it all in perspective. So we're really, we're really humbled. We're really grateful. If you are not able to attend the event, we still have ways to take your money. I say that in the kindest, warmest possible way. If you go to theartofcraftbeer.com, you'll see the tickets page, and one of the options is a donation. If you make a donation of 20 U.S. dollars or more, you'll receive a glass or a shirt of your choosing. If you donate $40, so $220, you get both of them, obviously. It's that simple, folks. we you know just trying to make an impact. This is hopefully the first of many. We are already talking about different parts of the country where we can do the next one, and we'll see what we can do and make it all happen. So if you have any suggestions, get at your boy. Let me know what you're thinking. So you've been listening to the 16-ounce canvas, episode number 67, 60 y siete, with the one and only Mr. Nick Dwyer, Beavertown, NickDwyerIllustrations.com, NicholasSD on Instagram. I'm AJ. Until next week, we thank you, and we thank you. You're cool. I'm out.